All right, let's give our attention to these various Proverbs from God's Word. We're beginning with Proverbs twelve sixteen. It says, The vexation of a fool is known at once, but the prudent ignores an insult. Fourteen seventeen, A man of quick temper acts foolishly, and a man of evil devices is hated. Fourteen twenty nine, Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding. But he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. 15.1. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. 15.18. A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. 17.27. Whoever restrains his words has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. 19.11. Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. 22.24-25 Make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man, lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. 29.11 A fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. 29.22. A man of wrath stirs up strife, and one given to anger causes much transgression. And lastly, 30, verse 33. For pressing milk produces curds, pressing the nose produces blood, and pressing anger produces strife. The Bible says that all men are like grass, and all of man's glory are like the flower of the field. And the grass withers and flowers fade away, but God's word stands forever. So let me pray for us before we look at it further tonight. Heavenly Father, we come before you as the infinitely wise one. As the almighty God, the creator of everything. We come before you and... Even as those things, you are also the good Father. And so, Father, we ask that you would be with us tonight. And that you would uh, speak to us through your word. That we would hear from you. That we would hear good words. uh, Good news. That we would be transformed by your word, encouraged by it. And that we would leave tonight different from the way in which we came in, having, having heard from you. So, Father, we pray these things in your Son, Jesus' name. Amen. Um, you know that uh, if you've been around, you know that I usually start with some sort of illustration, a story, uh, something like that, right, to, to try to engage you and, and relate to our topic. And I don't have one tonight. Um, And I'm doing that on purpose. I know a lot of you like it. And so I just didn't do it tonight. And I don't don't know how that lands with you. Uh, Honestly, it's probably not really landing like this. But I'm kind of hoping that it makes you a little mad. And I know it's not going to make you really mad. But um, if it does make you mad at all, then you're in the right place. Because that's what we're going to talk about tonight. We're going to talk about anger. And I had no idea how else to start this sermon. So that's what we're doing. 
I had a story about a friend of mine, and it just didn't work. So we're going to look at anger. We're going to see what the Proverbs has to say about it. This semester, we're studying through the book of Proverbs, uh, sort of a topical study, a little different for us. And our theme is a life of wisdom. And we say every week that Proverbs is a book about wisdom. It's a book full of wisdom. And wisdom is essentially, uh, if we could put it very uh, succinctly, skill in living. Um, Wisdom is, is... Knowing how to do life well, how to live well in this world. And tonight, we're going to see that the Proverbs has a fair amount to say, uh, a fair amount of wisdom to offer us on the subject of anger. And so we're going to look at four things tonight. First thing that we're going to look at is, uh, what is anger? What does it look like? Secondly, we're going to see uh, what anger causes, the, the product of anger. Thirdly, we'll look at dealing with anger in other people. And fourthly, we'll look at dealing with anger in ourselves. So that's where we're heading. All right, first, what anger is, what it, what it looks like. And the, the first thing that we need to do, uh, I'm going to start with sort of a disclaimer that, I don't know, might be a little awkward, but I think we need to say it. Uh, talk a little bit about what the Proverbs is talking about when it refers to anger. Because we need to make a distinction. Because there is such a thing as righteous anger. Right? Uh, Anger in and of itself is not necessarily sinful. Uh, You see throughout Scripture that sometimes God is angry. He's angry at sin. Uh, The Bible also makes it clear that that God is uh, perfect. So that in His... When he's angry, he's not sinning. He is a, the Bible is, uh, shows God to be holy and just. And so in, in the presence of sin, he requires justice. And his anger is a justified anger. And it's always expressed perfectly. The same is true of Jesus in the New Testament. He gets angry on occasion. Uh, and it's never about how he's treated But it's over things like uh, he gets angry at at death. He gets angry at people being prevented from drawing near to God uh, by other people and those sorts of things. Uh, Paul in Ephesians 4 alludes to the fact that it's possible for people to get angry and not sin. So it is possible for us to reflect God's, um, I guess, right and appropriate anger at sin. Okay? And that's important for us to understand as we start to talk about this because it's important, it's important to say that there is a right place for anger. And I say that for this reason. Look, we've all been, by virtue of the fact that you're a human being, you have been sinned against by other people. And especially if you have been sinned against, if you've been if you've been particularly harmed in some way, like really taken advantage of, really abused in some sort of significant way, let's say, um, there's, go- there's a right place for anger, okay? So what I, what I don't want you to hear me say is that I don't want you to walk away and think, okay, wait, so I was sinned against in this like heinous way and it's my fault that I'm angry, right? So I just, I want to allow for that. I want to be careful about that. 
Um, so that's not what the Proverbs uh, are talking about. When Proverbs is talking about anger, it's talking about sinful, <coughs> sinful anger. Uh, which, and I think it's fair to say that probably 99.9% of our anger is sinful anger. And it can be really difficult uh, even to tell the, the distinction between maybe a righteous anger and a sinful anger. And that's why we need wisdom. Uh, and look, if, if, yeah, I'm making that disclaimer and it, you may not need it. Uh, but if you do and you find some of this stuff difficult to talk about or think about, you know, I always say I would love to sit down and talk with you. So, it, yeah, if, if that would be helpful, please uh, ask me to do that or Olivia or David. All right. So with with that in mind, uh, let's let's look at some of these proverbs and look at what does sinful anger look like. Look at twelve sixteen. It says the vexation of a fool is known at once, but the prudent ignores an insult. Right. Notice that it's the fool that shows their anger immediately. They can't control it. They can't hide it very well. It just it just comes out. Twenty nine eleven. A fool gives full vent to his spirit. But a wise man quietly holds it back. Right? The same idea. Um, when our anger shows itself quickly, right? when, it, when it's written all over our face or all over our actions, when it just spills out, right? that's a really good indication, according to the Proverbs, that it's, it's sinful anger. That we're playing the part of the fool. Um, so I think we need to stop for a minute and think about why do we get angry? People, people love to be angry. Right? We, we all, in one sense, really like to get angry. Right? Just look at the news. People get angry about any and everything. So what's at the root of, of anger? What causes it? Where does it come from? Um, so let's think about the things that... I want you to think about what makes you mad. For me... Quite frankly, it's a lot of things. I'm starting to come to grips with the fact that I am an angry person. That's not particularly easy to say, but I think in a lot of ways it's true. Um, All right, so uh, things that make me angry. I've shortened it down just for the sake of time. All right, for me, it's people driving badly. That makes me angry. Uh, sometimes, honestly, it's people not even necessarily driving badly, just driving right there in my way. And that's bad. And all right, just a little PSA, by the way. Two, I'm going to take 15 seconds to say this. Two things on driving badly. Number one, if you're in the left lane, you better be passing somebody, okay? If you're not, scoot over. Secondly, if you're on an on-ramp, go. People in Waco don't seem to get that. I want you, at the end of the on-ramp, your goal is to be driving the speed that you're going to be going. Okay? If you don't know that, we can talk, we'll talk more. All right, so uh, bad driving makes me angry. Um, a lot of noise. Noise makes me angry. Uh, a lot of noise uh, or a little noise. Uh, when, when my kids don't do what I ask them or tell them to do, that can make me angry. Pain makes me angry. Is that anybody else? Is that just me? Like, if I bite my lips, something like that, it hurts. Yeah, but it just makes me mad. I don't know what that's all about. Uh, when I'm trying to do something really that's, that's seemingly really simple and it doesn't go smoothly, it can make me angry. So, what is it for you?
as you think about your, what makes you angry, um, right, let's try to get at what the core of it, what's at the core of that anger? Why do those things make us angry? And here's what I think it is. It's when we have some sort of expectation, we feel we deserve something or, or there's a, we, we're expecting something, we're entitled to it, and it doesn't happen. Right? Expectations not met. We deserve something and we get angry. Somebody cuts me off in traffic. I feel like I, I deserve, I expect to be treated differently than that. I get angry. Right? I think we, we do it all the time. And that anger comes from our hearts. And here's, here's sort of, uh, we're going to peel this onion back one more layer um, and look at it. Because, look, we say this a lot here, but here's what I think is going on in our, in our hearts. We all want to matter in life. That's, that's just part of being a human being. We all want to be import, <clears throat> important. We all want to be significant. We all want to be special. Right? It's just the nature of the deal. And when something violates that, uh, we feel like we've been attacked at our core. We take that as an assault against us and we get angry. That's our reaction. I'll give you an example. Uh, For me, uh, as a parent, right, God has given me this wonderful opportunity. Uh, He's given me wonderful children, and he's given me this opportunity to parent them and to love them and care for them and teach them and all those sorts of things. And one of the aspects of that is that uh, as the adult, as the parent, they are called and supposed to obey, right? Because generally we're older and wiser. We know what's right. We know what's you know, what they should and shouldn't do. So when one of our kids looks at me, when I say like, all right, you need to do this or you need to not do that. When one of our kids looks at me and says, no. What I, here's what does not happen, right? What does not happen in my heart, uh, typically, I typically don't think, no, this is, this is not good because God has put me in authority to care for you. I know what's best. And you rebelling against that authority is only going to hurt you in the end. You're, you're going to bring you know, injury or disgrace upon yourself, and I don't want that for you. Now, here's what, here's what happens in my heart. I feel like I'm a reasonably res- uh, person that should be respected, right? Especially by a little kid. And so when a kid, especially mine, looks at me and says, no. What my heart hears is you're not worth being respected. And so I don't take that as, well, what happens is that just crawls all over me. Because I don't see it for what it is. What I hear is, you're not worth being respected. And my heart cries out, I will be respected. Because I have to be. Because I matter. It's about me. You do it too. Um, when your boyfriend or girlfriend decides that they're going to do something with their other friends, uh, you know, this weekend, and you were assuming you were going to, you know, the two of you were going to do something, uh, it very well might make you angry because you expect them to do something with you. You, you need that. You feel you deserve it. And so it doesn't just hit you uh, for what it is. It, it hits your heart and it says, What your heart hears is, you're not that important to me. 
when you get that grade back, uh, the teacher hands you the grade that's not what you wanted or it's not what you feel like you deserve. They didn't uh, grade it the way that you uh, feel like it should have been graded. What your heart hears is you're not as smart as you think you are. You're not as good as you think you are. And our hearts react pretty violently to that sort of stuff. And they say, yes, I am. And we get angry. And when we do, we show ourselves to be the fool. All right, so that's, that's sort of what's at the heart of anger, I think. So secondly, let's look at what anger causes. What's the product of our anger? Proverbs is pretty clear about that. A handful of things first. Look at 1417. A man of quick temper acts foolishly. He acts foolishly. Um, Anger is going to cause us. Here, write this down. It's going to be pretty profound. Anger causes us to do dumb stuff. Just do dumb stuff. Right? Like throw things. How many hands have been broken by punching walls? I'm sure there are plenty. Um, All right, I'm going to give you an illustration here, a a story, a true story. So I actually remember watching this on SportsCenter the next day, 1992. Uh, A guy named Boban Jankovic was a professional basketball player in Serbia, okay? And it was uh, in a, a playoff game, really important playoff game, last few seconds of the game, it's really tight. And he's a, he's a you know, big guy, plays down uh, in, the, in the paint. And he got called for an offensive foul. And it was his fifth or sixth foul, however many it takes you in Serbia to foul out. And so he realizes in that moment that he has fouled out. So he's not going to be in the game. He's probably cost his team the game. And he just immediately, he flies into this rage. And he takes a, you know, a few steps towards the, the basketball goal pole, right? The stanchion that holds it up. And he rams his head into it. Padded. It's padded. But he cocks his head back and he rams his head into it. And he broke his own neck. Look, it's on YouTube. You can watch it. But be warned, it's pretty serious. He almost died. He spent the next 13 years of his life in a wheelchair. And then he, uh, he eventually passed away, of, died of heart failure at the age of 42. Now look, that's extreme in some sense. He just got mad at a basketball game. I've been mad at basketball games. And it caused him to do something, his, his anger caused him to do something foolish. And it's sad. Right, and that might be extreme, but what about us, right? Maybe you get angry and throw stuff. Maybe you drive too fast. Maybe you drink too much. Anger causes foolish actions. Uh, Second thing that it causes, look at 1518. A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. So anger causes strife. Strife, uh, usually, almost always, um, means conflict, disagreement between people. And that's, it's pretty obvious, right? That when we get angry, we tend to push back. We tend to go on the offensive, get aggressive. And that doesn't, that doesn't go well with other people. 
right? It's how, that's how fights start, whether physical or verbal. Um, anger causes strife. It can also cause strife sort of the opposite way. You get angry, you can give somebody the cold shoulder, right? Bring tension, strife into a relationship that way because of our anger. Um, that it's just ne- necessarily going to happen. Third, uh, look at 29.22. A man of wrath stirs up strife. We just saw that. And one given to anger causes much transgression. The third thing that you see that anger is going to cause, it's going to cause us to sin. So more than just doing something foolish, uh, and more than just you know, causing strife between people, it's going to cause us to do things that are just outright wrong. Right, when we get angry, uh, you get angry, you might, you very well might find yourself um, saying something that's just downright mean to somebody and, and doing it to hurt them. Maybe uh, telling that secret about them that they confided in you behind their back. Um, maybe physically assaulting people, uh, stealing something from your roommate, right? Because they've made you mad, damaging property. You know, on and on. Oh, yeah. You know, think about all the roads raid. Ro- wait. Uh, here we go. I speak. That's my profession. Ro- road rage, right? All of people pulling guns and shooting other people because they're angry. It's going to anger leads us to sin. All right. So we see some uh, some of the product of our anger. Our third point. Let's look at how to deal with anger in other people. Uh, we get a fair amount of wisdom on when we come into contact with angry people, what to do. Uh, first, let's look at thirty thirty three. For pressing milk produces curds, pressing the nose produces blood, and pressing anger produces strife. Um, see, look, you see, I think you get the idea of what this is saying, right? These are things that if you apply pressure to these things then this is what you get. If you push on somebody's nose or punch on somebody's nose hard enough, blood's going to come out. And it says if you, essentially, if you push on somebody's anger, then it's going to cause trouble. So I think the idea is that when somebody's angry, when you're in contact with somebody that's angry, generally speaking, it's not a good idea to provoke them. Right then and there is probably not the time to press the issue. That's a wise thing to do. Let them cool off. Conflict is not going to diminish if you ag- aggravate them. Um, so if, you're, if you know your roommate's really mad, and maybe you're mad at them, but, but if your roommate's really mad, that's probably not the best time to talk about how they need to be uh, you know, doing their share of the dishes, and they've been falling down on that. Um, yeah, it's not the wisest time to discuss an issue, right? It's wise to give people time to cool off. All right, another one. Look at 15.1. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. This is one of my favorite Proverbs because uh, especially that first part, a soft answer turns away wrath, uh, sticks in my mind. I think it's easy to remember, though I'm not uh, particularly good at it. And another reason that I like it is because if you've ever seen it employed, you know that it works. Generally speaking, it's almost like magic. A soft answer, turning away wrath. Um, Right? You've seen it uh, probably. You've been in some situation like 
people standing in line or in traffic, right? Some situation where, you know, things can maybe get a little tense. And when somebody, uh, what's the sentence? When one person feels wrong, wronged, and they say something like, hey, what do you think you're doing? Right, that's, that's always a great question when you hear it. Right, you know the difference between if the person that they ask that of responds, what do you mean, what do, what do I think I'm doing? What are you doing? Right, you know that, great, it's on now. But if that person turns around and says like, well, I'm, I'm sorry, is this not where I'm supposed to be? Or did I mess up? Or I, right, you know the difference. It, you, can just, you can immediately see people's anger wash away when you respond with a, a soft answer, right? Uh, when you don't respond in kind. Um, yeah, you, you, you would be amazed how much easier it would go. You know, if your roommate snaps at you about taking the last of the milk, that if you snap back and say, like, well, you took all the bread, right? That versus, I'm sorry, I, I, I thought that we were, I thought that would be okay with you. I'm sorry. Or I didn't realize uh, I didn't realize I did that. You know, something like that. Right? It's going to go a lot better. Um, when your parents fly off the handle at you, maybe. And maybe they're, you know, they're inappropriately mad. But things are going to go a whole lot better, right, if you, um, things are going to go a whole lot better if you keep your cool and your calm. And respond with a soft answer. It's just wisdom. Uh, The third one. uh, Look at 22, 24 through 25. Dealing with angry people. Make no friendship with a man given to anger. Nor go with a wrathful man. Lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. Right. This one seems to tell us that at some point. It can be wise to cut ties with an angry person. To just distance ourselves from them altogether. So if you find yourself repeatedly being the object of somebody's anger, wisdom would tell us that there there is a time when it's when it's best to just remove yourself from that situation. And now look that doesn't mean bail if somebody gets mad like that's it, I'm out. Right? Because everybody gets mad. But if it's a recurring theme, you just might need to break up with that. You just might need to break up with that person or find a new roommate. Something like that. All right, so that's a little wisdom with dealing uh, with anger with other people. So lastly, let's look at what Proverbs tells us about dealing with our own anger when we see anger inside of us. Um, Because, yeah, you know, can it be controlled? Is there anything we can do about it? Look at 1429. Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. All right, so the one that has great understanding is the one that's going to be slow to anger. Look at 1727. Whoever restrains his words has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. All right, so knowledge, understanding is going to lead us to restrain our words. Uh, and then lastly, look at 1911. Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it's his glory to overlook an offense. Right? The person that's slow to anger is one that has good sense. 
Right, so things like understanding, knowledge, good sense are evidently the keys to curbing our anger. So what does that mean? Like understand, uh, understanding what? Um, well, it begins with, first it begins with understanding ourselves, right? Understanding our hearts like we talked about at the beginning. Understanding what's going on with our anger. Why am I angry? Right? There's a lot of wisdom uh, in understanding ourselves. That we're, we're trying to get our, our significance and our importance from our grades and people and those sorts of things. Because those things are going to fail us. And when they do, we get angry about it. So we're going to need something else. We need to understand more than our hearts. We need to understand, and this is what we've talked about every week. We need the fear of the Lord. Right? Proverbs says that's the beginning of wisdom. We need to know. We need to understand. We need to, we need to have good sense about who God is and what he's done. That's what we need to understand. All right, so who is God and what has he done? Um, earlier when we began, we said the Bible says that God sometimes is described as angry, right? Angry over sin. And that's certainly true, but it also describes God as patient. And that word uh, patient, sometimes we translate it as we have here in two of our Proverbs, slow to anger. All right, so that Hebrew word that we translate slow to anger... Um, it shows up four times in Proverbs. We've got, uh, I think, two of the four here. And then it shows up ten other times in the Old Testament. And every one of those other times in the Old Testament, it's, it's always used to describe God relenting over bringing disaster on sinners. On God showing grace to sinners. He's described as slow to anger or patient. The, the Hebrew, literally, uh, it would translate as, as long face. And that, the idea is that a, a calm, relaxed face is, an, is a not angry face. So you see that God is incredibly patient and he's slow to anger. But we see the, you see the fullness of God's patience in the New Testament. Because you see that it comes to its fullness in the person and work of Jesus. Right? This is what we've got to understand. That it's the only thing that's going to begin to get at our anger. It's the good news of Jesus. And what is it? Uh, listen to 1 Peter 2. 1 Peter 2.23. This is talking about Jesus. It said, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered... He did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. But you see, what we have to have the good sense, the understanding of, is to know that, that God, that every time God was patient, when he was slow to anger, his anger actually didn't just go away. It didn't vanish. That anger, it was still there. Right? The Old Testament doesn't come on, it didn't come on those particular people. But it's still there. I mean, what we see in the New Testament is that God himself shows up. And he comes in the person of Jesus. And Jesus, he bears with all sorts of anger at him. 
And when he was reviled, he just took it. And he took it so much that it, you know, essentially led him to the cross. Where he took not just the anger of people, but he actually took on our anger, took up our anger and put it on himself. And he bore all of God's anger for us. So that all that wrath, right, all that anger that God has, it didn't just disappear. For his people, it went directly on to Jesus. For all of the, for all. So if, if you trust him, then all of the times that you've gotten angry and the, the righteous anger that that deserves was all poured out on Jesus. For every time you've, you've snapped back at your parents or your brother or sister or your friend, for every time you've pounded your fist, for every time you've gotten angry at God, for every time you've been mad somebody cut you off, for every time you've been mad at yourself for whatever reason, Jesus bore it all. And he did it so that you and I could be forgiven, so that he, he took God's anger so that we can have God's smile. So that when God looks at us, we, we can know we don't have the, the angry father face. Then unfortunately, my kids know all too well. And that you probably know. You don't get that face. You get the face of a father that is, that is thrilled with you, that is proud of you. Because, because you're in Christ. And look, that's the only thing. Right? And, and if you want that, then it's yours to just take. All you have to do is know you need it. And it, it's yours for free. That's the good news. And look, the more that gets down into you, the more it will work its way out of you. Um, and it'll work its way out of you by working on our anger, right? Because when your heart is tempted to hear from the person that cut you off or your kid or your boyfriend or whatever, you don't matter. When your heart is tempted to hear that, the more and more, the more, and more you're able to look and see the, the, the smiling face of your father that says, oh, you matter, more than you could ever imagine to me. You're more significant to me than you'll ever know. You matter so much that I would lay down my life for you. The more that we're able to, to see that and believe that, the more we're able to, to let the rest go. Because I don't have to take my worth from my kids or from you or from that guy. Because I can find it in Christ and I'm able to... I'm able to lay down the rest. Look, that's the good news. And, and that's an invitation to all of us. You're invited to believe it. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, uh, the good news, it, it sure is good. And if it sounds too good to be true, Father, maybe we're beginning to talk about it in the right way. 
Help us to believe it. Cause us to believe it. Um, forgive us for our anger and help us to see uh, that, that you offer us your smile. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.